Okay. Okay. Good morning. I call the San Francisco Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The Commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not, ask, when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll? Good morning. Thank you, President Knudsen. Commissioners, please respond with President when I call your name. President Martha Knudsen. Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Oh, let me unmute you. Commissioner Bittner, can you hear me? She's present. Yeah, again. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Commissioner Wandajan? Present. Hello. Hello. Uh, Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Not present. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman? Present. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. Thank you. All right, commissioners, the next item is item three, communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item Hello. in this agenda. Hello? Can, can we should make sure. Commissioner Bittner, can you hear us? I don't think so. Commissioner Bittner, can you hear us now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. Sorry about that. Okay, Commissioner, so we'll, we'll start back. Uh, the next item, item three, is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 2487-404-1743-POUND, and then pound again. When connected, you'll hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. 
Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You'll have three minutes to speak. You'll be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are, are, any other communications from, are there any other communications from the DOS Commission members? Commissioner Bitter. Okay. All right. Thank you. Commissioners, your next agenda item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, April 5th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting. And I want to thank uh, Vice President Spears for chairing that meeting last uh, month in my absence. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, April 5th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? They were amended. Okay. Yep. And do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the item? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? And moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, April 5th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? Sorry. I move. Okay, second. from Commissioner Bittner. Uh, second from Vice President Spears. Uh, can we please take a roll call vote to approve the April 5th, 2023 DOS Commission uh, meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Uh, we have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Um, commissioners, um, item five is Executive Director's Report and welcome Executive Director Dearman. Thank you so much. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I just have a few things to report on last uh, week. I was in DC for the annual US Aging uh, Public Policy Briefing, um, where it was a great opportunity to learn what is happening on the federal level, which we all know it's a little dire, but um, what I did do during that time was I got to visit with staff of um, Senator Padilla's office, Senator Feinstein's office, uh, Congresswoman um, Barbara Lee, Congresswoman Eshoo, and um, she who will always be my speaker, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi's office. It was a great opportunity to talk about all things aging and what is important to us. We're super lucky here in the Bay Area because we're all on the same side and they were all very much appreciative of us taking the time to come and visit with them and talk about what's most important. And what is most important right now is that they continue, that um, Congress continue to fund the Older Americans Act and that um, there are more investments in uh, caregivers. There was a lot of conversation about the need for more caregivers, and uh, it's not only a local issue, it is definitely a federal issue and a statewide issue, so I was happy to hear about that. On the state level, um, we are still waiting for the governor's May revise, so I have nothing to report um, budget-wise, except to say everybody is tightening their belts. 
locally, um, I want to give a shout out uh, to um, Fanny Lapitan. Um, this is API Heritage Month, and Fanny was invited to um, speak on a panel on women in leadership along with Grace Lee and um, Annie Chung. So we're very proud of her. Um, Fanny, as you know, runs the hub, but I'm not saying that right, right? Is that is that fair? Okay, sorry, Fanny. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. So um, also uh, just want to thank staff from IHSS and APS who um, we had to activate the staff for the recent power outage. We have a vulnerable populations protocol, and of course our staff stepped up and um, did what they had to do to make sure um, all of our um, clients were, were okay. So um, lastly, yesterday, uh, the Board of Supervisors um, honored me and our executive team for um, all the work that we do and thanking us because we are often, um, we're not really seen, and so they wanted us to know that they do see us and they do appreciate us, and they were thanking us for all of our great work. So I have um, huge respect and thanks to all of the staff at DOS who um, make all of this happen. Great. And that's it. First, I'm so pleased that you got that recognition yesterday. So thank you. Yay. <laughs> Um, and second, um, deep, deepest thanks to stepping up. This is the unrecognized thing. People don't realize they hear about a power outage. I, I knew it was in a vulnerable community, and thank you for that. You know, that, that's the, the point of all of this, so, so thanks for that. Any other questions and comments from other commissioners on the report? And first of all, I want to also uh, welcome Commissioner Sklar, who has not been able to be sorry. I'm just moving slower now than yeah, I'm moving Yeah, you don't have to apologize, and I just <laughs> wanted to recognize, and we're so happy to see you here today, so you're present. Um, uh, any other questions or comments for the executive director? Yeah, it's really happy to hear that um, the executive director was able to meet with our bedroom legislator than all them. If you ever do anything in district, I if I'm available, I would be happy to be involved. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Commissioner. All right, then we'll just move along, I think, to our employee recognition. Commissioners, item six is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knutson, and the DOS Commission will honor Ann McWalters, who is a protective services worker in the Hub Integrated Intake Unit. So, congratulations. Ann McWalters is a veteran at the DOS Hub Intake Unit who knows intake programs so well that she is the go-to person for almost all new hires to shadow. Anne has extensive experience in working with disadvantaged populations and with clients in need of protection. In 2007, Anne joined DOS as a protective services worker at Adult Protective Services. With the increasing needs for an integrated approach in assessing clients' service needs, Anne's knowledge about community resources and her skills in providing comprehensive integrated assessment was a much desired addition to the intake unit. In 2009, Anne was transferred to the integrated intake unit 
at DOS, and we are grateful that she has been working with us since then. Anne is knowledgeable, and she always looks for the best resources for her clients. She helps her clients stay connected with community resources and follows up with them and or their caregivers to ensure all of her clients' needs are met. She respects her clients' rights for self-determination and provides resources to support them while making an informed decision about their care. Anne is not only a warm-hearted social worker. Since her deployment at the intake unit, she has taken, taken a leading role in many projects. Just to name a few, she was the lead and worked closely with DOS-funded Aging and Disability Resource Centers in providing options counseling to older adults and or their family members who need an in-depth discussion on available care options. She joined the working group in reviewing the Structural Decision Manual tool when it was first excuse me, introduced to the intake unit. This is a tool to help intake staff determine the response time for adult protective calls. Anne is also a member of the Outreach Presentation Working Group and helps with many outreach presentations in the past year. In addition, Anne was an active member for the Safety Committee and has helped organize events at the Hub to raise staff's awareness on safety. Anne is an asset to any unit that she chooses to work for, and we are unbelievably grateful to have her with us. Congratulations, Anne, on this well-deserved award as the May 2023 DOS Employee of the Month. I just want to say well, thank you very much. I'm very grateful. I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Okay. I've been grateful to have been a part of DOS for the last 16 years. DOS has given me a rich social work experience. I have seen DOS intake expand from a small group of intake workers to a comprehensive one-stop shop for people with disabilities and older adults in the San Francisco community. I have found it rewarding to work on behalf of and interact on a daily basis with the community we serve. I am thankful for my DOS intake colleagues who are dedicated, hardworking, and supportive. Sorry. <laughs> Lastly, I'm thankful for the leadership team at DOS Intake, my supervisor, Moi Fung, and program manager, Kelly Bryant. Thank you. You want to come up and take a picture? Well, thank you very, very much, and thank you. Um, thank you. I understand emotion. I feel this way about this place, too, so <laughs> you see me doing, doing this every once in a while, so, but congratulations on your, your wonderful career and contributions, and um, your presence here today means a lot to us, so thank you. Yeah. Um, then we move on to, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah. Commissioners, item seven is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. I apologize for not having my video on. Um, it's been temperamental this morning. Um, I have a really brief report. I was out of the country when um, at our last meeting. So I just want to, a um, couple of quick things. We approve the area plan um, as is our task each year. We had a site visit and I'll um, have more details in my May report to you. Um, I haven't seen that report yet. I have two meetings this week. Uh, one this afternoon, a uh, conversation with someone who's interested in joining the council. Um, and then secondly, presentation to District 1 representatives looking for a, um, a Board of Supervisors appointment in uh, Supervisor Chan's office um, about the council and, and the job. So um, keep your fingers crossed that those both pan out. So that's uh, about where we are um, this month. Are there any comments or questions regarding the Advisory Council report? Just uh, the site visit that's planned, where is that? The site visit um, commissioner was at the, uh, the report that was given was on a, the virtual, um, on the Richmond Center, and I need to get more details. I haven't seen the report um, in discussing it with um, Vice President Graff um, yesterday. She uh, pointed out there were some questions, so I, I want to see the report before I report in any detail. So I'll definitely have more information next month. Mm -hmm. Richmond neighborhood. Okay, I just thank you. Any other questions on the advisory report? Nope. We'll uh, move along. Yeah. Commissioners, item eight is the joint legislative slash TAC report, also presented by Advisory Council President Diane Lawrence. So we had um, the joint ledge report. I have ready to send to Ravi to hand out to you. Um, since again, I missed that meeting. I promise I'm hoping my health and uh, is fine and that I also have no, no travel plans, so I shouldn't miss any more meetings going forward. We had a TAC meeting on Monday, and um, I'll have more to report. It was um, basically discussed legislation and the village uh, program, and then some discussion on the Brown Act and Bagley Keene and what that means going forward for um, for our meetings attack. Any questions? Any questions from commissioners? On that? Okay, then thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, okay, commissioners, item nine is the case report presented by Del Daniel Gallagher, who is as well on WebEx. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. I apologize for presenting remotely today, but prior commitments uh, preclude me from being there in person. I will also be brief in my report uh, this morning. Just jump into our case programming. Uh, in April, Ian Rett uh, presented the balance score, and the balance score looks at inwards at a company's team to measure how well they are balancing the many priorities in their professional, personal, and spiritual lives. It's an insightful ritual that 
remote hybrid and in-person teams can use at the beginning of meetings to check in with themselves and each other, and in doing so, build connection, trust, and team resilience. It was a good presentation. It was interesting um, and, and something that uh, could be a very useful tool, in fact, for all of us, um, whether we are presenting in meetings or otherwise. Uh, I did share a link my report uh, so you can view that. In May, Carrie Shell, the Director of Community Support Services at Open House, and Aidan Goodwin, the licensed clinical social worker, um, are presenting the program to encourage active, rewarding lives, or otherwise known as PEARLS, which is a community-based option for addressing depression, isolation, and loneliness among older adults. Uh, PEARLS is a peer-based model where coaches use problem-solving, activity planning, connection to additional community resources as tools to help participants develop the skills they need for self-sufficiency. So we are looking forward, forward to that presentation in our May um, membership meeting. And then finally, uh, just a couple more notes on budget advocacy. We continue to advocate for the behavioral health funding that I mentioned in, the, in our April meeting, as well as um, our ongoing efforts to increase technological support and connectivity and to strengthen outreach activities so we can improve access to services, ongoing, um, advocacy to improve public safety, which is particularly Paramount and San Francisco these days, and then um, echoing what Executive Director Gearman had mentioned in her report is um, opportunities to expand caregiver support and caregiver respite, which we all feel the need for um, in our work these days. And that concludes again my, my brief report okay great are there any questions and thank you for the report we did uh, have a chance to look at it before the meeting which appreciated reading the, the details there um, any questions from either the reading of the reporter today okay great then well thank you very much appreciate it thank you commissioners okay moving on item 10 commissioners item 10 is general public comment an opportunity for members of the public to address the commissions on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Okay. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Okay, thank you. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. And we can move on to the next. Uh, commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. Oh. Okay. okay, no, we can move on. 
Thank you very much. Um, this item constitutes a consent agenda item and is considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There's no separate discussion of this item unless a member of the commission or the public so requests, in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered a separate item. And that we have one item today, Grantee Bayview Senior Services, uh, for an additional amount of $8,000. For a term of uh, 7 1 2021 to 6 30 2025. Um, and uh, are, are there any questions or comments about this item? Do we have anyone for the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? No callers, okay, thank you. Okay, great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve the May consent calendar? So moved. From Commissioner Parker Pennington. I'll second. 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 Um, from Commissioner Bittner, uh, can we please take the roll call vote? President Martha Knutson. Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. That's a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. You didn't call. My name wasn't called. Uh, Commissioner Sklar. Oh, uh, yeah. I apologize, Commissioner Sklar. <laughs> He's right there. Commissioner Barbara yes. Sklar, how do you vote? <laughs> yes. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> okay, we have a unanimous vote. Maybe We're going to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioners, the next agenda item is item 13, new business. And uh, item A is going to be informational only, and then items 13B and to 13 through 13J are action items that require a vote by the commission. Um, the first item is 13A, and it is a community living fund six-month report and the fiscal year 23-24 annual plan. Uh, and I believe Melissa McGee is now in charge of this, so <laughs> welcome. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, good morning, President Knudsen, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at DAS. And I'm here today to present the Community Living Fund six-month report covering July through December 2022 and the Community Living Fund annual plan for fiscal year 23-24. The Community Living Fund, or CLF as I'll refer to it, was created in uh, 2006 through a San Francisco ordinance to support aging in place and community placement alternatives for people who would otherwise require care within an institution. A section in the San Francisco Administrative Code requires that DOS report CLF's level of services and costs every six months along with an annual plan for the continued implementation of the program. My report today will be fulfilling this requirement. CLF provides home and community-based services using a two-pronged approach of coordinated case management and purchase of goods and services. The Institute on Aging, IOA, is currently the contracted service provider for these services. The program serves adult San Francisco residents with income up to 300% of the federal poverty level. The individuals must be willing and able to live in the community with appropriate supports 
and they have to have a demonstrated need for, a, for services or resources that will enable them to live in the community and prevent institutionalization. The full program eligibility criteria is available in Appendix A of the annual plan. The target population includes individuals ready for discharge from Laguna Honda, Laguna Honda Hospital, Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, and other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities, or individuals who are at imminent risk of institutional placement but are willing and able to remain in the community with, excuse me, with wraparound services. The Community Living Fund provides, provides housing subsidy support through Brilliant Corners, our contracted community partner that administers rental subsidy and helps acquire scattered site housing units throughout San Francisco. And the fund also includes a public guardian housing fund that specifically provides housing subsidy and assistance to individuals conserved by a public guardian and also meet CLF criteria. So I wanna identify highlights from each of the reports. First, the CLF six month report for July through December, 2022. In the six month report covering July through December, CLF received a total of 68 new referrals during this period. About 46% of those referred were eligible and 94% of those eligible were approved to receive services. CLF served 289 participants in total with 71% receiving intensive case management and purchase of equipment and services through IOA. 93 of these also received rental subsidy through Brilliant Corners. Trends in ethnic profile of new referrals remain generally consistent with prior periods with some minor changes. Referrals for white individuals increased slightly and remained the largest group at 41%. Black African-American referrals are at 28%, which is an increase over the last period. Latinx remains steady at 16%, and Asian and Pacific Islander referrals decreased to 11% from last period, but remains consistent with overall trends to date. Also during this reporting period, CLF continued to support the DAS Public Guardian Office through the PG Housing Fund by providing housing subsidies and assistance to six conserved participants. The most common self-reported service need requested through CLF remain, remains consistent with prior periods. Case management, 82%, in-home support, 62%, and housing-related services, 62%. Notably, mental health and substance abuse services were requested slightly more frequently than in recent periods at 54%. As for program costs, this reporting period shows a net increase, this, uh, sorry, net increase in program costs in all categories compared to the prior six-month period. With home care cost and rental subsidies, that average is 2,362 per month. Excluding costs for home care and rental subsidies, average monthly purchase of service costs for CLF participants who received any purchase services was $177 per month in the latest reporting period. 
Finally, as of April 2023, the CLF wait list has 17 referrals waiting to be assigned. On average, these individuals have been waiting 32 days. Approximately 82% are waiting for intensive case management, while the rest are waiting for purchase of goods or services only. This wait list is shorter than the previous period, and more notably, the wait time is significantly shorter than historic trends. Consistent with the prior period and a reversal of historic trends, individuals waiting for purchase of service have spent less time waiting on average than those waiting for intensive case management services. Highlights of the CLF annual plan for fiscal, uh, fiscal year 23-24. CLF will continue its integrated housing model to facilitate the care coordination and for transition of individuals from Laguna Hana Hospital and other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities to scattered site housing in the community. Again, the scattered site housing and rental subsidy administration is a contract in collaboration with Brilliant Corners. The core meeting, community options and resource engagement, is held every two weeks and includes DOS, Brilliant Corners, the Institute on Aging CLF program, Laguna Hana Hospital, as well as other relevant multidisciplinary team, care team members, including physicians, to discuss referrals and the needs of clients for successful discharge to the community. CLF will continue its partnership with the Public Guardian Office through the Public Guardian Housing Fund. For individuals conserved by the Public Guardian, this housing fund is used to support them with housing subsidies and move-in related costs to support housing stability. The CLF program will include enhanced care management services through the CAL-AIM, California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal State Initiative for members of the San Francisco Health Plan who are adults living in the community who are at risk for long-term institutionalization, as well as nursing facility residents transitioning to the community. Enhanced care management for these two populations of focus align with the goals of the CLF program. And finally, during this fiscal year, CLF will continue the utilization of the California Community Transitions Program to leverage supplemental funding through Medi-Cal services. This program has been beneficial in the ability of the CLF program to support Laguna Honda participants that require caregiver supports while waiting to be connected to IHSS. And that concludes my report, and I'm happy to take any comments or questions. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, are there any comments, questions from commissioners on either of these reports? Go ahead. Okay. Commissioner Zhang. Hi, Ms. McGee. Thanks very much for the excellent report. I just have, um, let's, it's mainly the six-month report of a question. Um, under key findings, I noticed that it's noted that um, there is a lower volume of referrals and also that the service levels, um, under the second bullet, uh, going on to the second page, uh, that the service levels are 20% lower. Any sense as to why that change? Mm -hmm. uh, uh during, so considering this reporting period is to July through December, there's right. been the Laguna Honda hospital issues okay. and situation and 
first, you know, discharges, and then there was a hold on discharges. So that right. whole okay. situation really has affected referrals and services okay. of CLF. Okay, thank you. And then I notice also um, that um, one of the uh, interesting change is that in terms of zip codes, uh, this is again under your key findings, uh, that uh, there's a high volume from 94116 zip code. I, I assume that's Laguna Honda then. Is that what we're looking at? Hmm. I don't know. That's the top of page three under uh, the most frequent zip codes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. okay. I thought I wasn't sure. I was just kind of, yeah. I kind of put the two together, but I wasn't absolutely sure. I just thought I wanted to check in. And then, um, I, you know, I, I do see that this is a really important, important program. Uh, in terms of uh, meeting the needs of, of individuals instead of being institutionalized to be able to remain in the community. Can you tell me more about what outreach is being done to make sure that uh, different providers know about this program? Well, the target population is residents of Laguna Hana Hospital and okay. Zuckerberg, as well as other SNFs. So um, the core meeting, you know, there's a very integrated group of uh, professionals DAS, IOA, Laguna Honda. So the Laguna Honda Hospital Department of Social Services is really a primary referral of services for their residents and their, uh, the director as well as social workers are involved. Um, also, um, IOA does outreach to the community SNFs, although at our priority right now is Laguna Honda. Um, so they, um, they do some outreach and have flyers and that sort of thing, but really the target is the skilled nursing. Okay, all right, great, thank you. Yeah, just as a follow-on one, thank you very much for the six-month report. That's where my one question is. Um, and um, really appreciate uh, receiving this, and I love, the, I, I love the idea that we are getting people to be able to stay in community. My question is, um, uh, you made reference that in the six-month period there was a decrease in the waiting time. Mm -hmm. um, and so do we have, I, can you expand on that of what do we think is leading to the decrease in the number of people on the wait list and then time that, 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 that they're right. staying, really the time that they're staying. Like is there something that we, we've done differently? Or? I think it's just, you know, solidifying their process through mm -hmm. the referral process everywhere, every place from the hub to IOA and the core meeting and just sort of, you know. So it's not it's AI, a re it's no. not AI related? It, yeah, no. <laughs> Chatting. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'll be next. <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious about process improvements and how that, yeah. you know, how that actually Yeah, just tightening up. it up, being conscious of it. You know, we talk about it regularly. The goal is to, you know, the ultimate goal, of course, no wait list, no right. wait time. So we're constantly trying to figure out ways to do that, and IOA is instrumental yeah. in that. Well, I just wanted to highlight, I think that's great that it's going in yeah. that direction. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Any other commissioner comments or questions? I just wanted to say then thank you for the le level of detail you, that's always been given in this report and you're continuing that tradition um, and that I appreciated the level of detail around the case management process. Um, I, I just, that was very descriptive and helpful um, and always remember we're reading that and it, it really helps us to mm -hmm. educate us around things that members of the community that we come from, we're not necessarily going to know that, that mm -hmm. way that an inside worker assumes you do. Yeah. So I just appreciate those, uh, that level of detail. In the Thank report. you. So yeah. Thank you. Anybody else then? 
I think this was just a informational only, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's the commissioners, and then there are, we do ask for right. anyone from the public who wishes to comment. Does anyone from the public would like to comment on information item A? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the Community Living Fund six-month report and FY23-24 annual plan. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, then we'll close public comment and commissioners items 13B through 13J are action items that do require a vote by the commission. We're going to start with items 13B, which is the review and approval of the fiscal year 2023-24 area plan update for the California Department of Aging and Executive uh, Director Kelly Dearman and Dethi Valor are presenting this item. Thank welcome. And this has been a process, so we're finally here. <laughs> yeah, we're finally at the last step. Uh, so good morning, commissioners. My name is Aditi Valor. I'm an analyst with the Human Services Agency Planning Unit. I'm here to seek your approval on the finalized Area Agency on Aging Area Plan Update for fiscal year 2023-24. Um, as you remember, may remember, uh, Executive Director Dearman and I presented a draft of this report at two public hearings in March and April, the latter of which was our commission meeting last month, um, to provide opportunity for comment on its development and content. This finalized area plan update reflects key discussion topics from our public hearings in the public hearings section beginning on page seven of the report, including budget and service data, housing support services, mental and behavioral health programming, and staff training and development. Many of these topics were ones that were raised in this room um, back in April. This draft also includes minor updates to the advisory board section, reflecting the newly extended terms of some advisory council members as of April's DOS commission meeting. So those are the, the main changes that are reflected from the draft report that you saw in April to the final version that you see before you now. Um, so at this point, uh, we're asking that you vote to approve this area plan update, and then we'll send it on to the state with your approval. Great, thank you. Are there any uh, comments or questions from commissioners? And we, we definitely have fully commented and questions. <laughs> yeah. I feel very, that's fine. I um, just have a brief comment. Uh, I just, just want to come in and thank the excellent work that's been done uh, to, to basically update its report. Um, I, I really find um, that seeing a report like this, looking at the updates and having a chance to take a look at what we've done in the past gives us a good, where have we been, what are we doing and where are we going? And um, it's, you know, it's, it's really valuable and uh, helpful to be able to get that perspective. So thank you, excellent work done. I agree. It's now one of my materials that I just kind of have with me all the time. <laughs> Someone else. Um, <laughs> uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item 13B? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 13B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on item 13B. Do we have any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you. Great. Then thank you. Uh, hearing no further public comment, we'll close public comment. Um, is there a motion to approve item 13B? So, so moved. Wow, that was unanimous already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I'll just go with uh, Vice President Spears and um, second from uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, could we have a roll call? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Jenny Y. Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? 
Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you, commissioners, and congratulations. And thank you so much. I think I have to. I don't know if I have to sign it at some yeah, point. Yeah, I'll, I'll send out an email to get okay. signatures we'll, and just we'll arrange for that. <laughs> okay. Um, Commissioners, item 13C is requesting authorization to enter into new contracts with Aim to Please Janitorial Services and M&M Hauling and Heavy Cleaning Assistant Company for the provision of heavy cleaning and pest treatment preparation services to APS clients for the period July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2028 in the amount of $3,500,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,850,000 and Achilles Saron will uh, present this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and Director Dierman. My name is Achilles Saron, Director of Adult Protective Services. We're requesting authorization to enter into new contracts with Aim to Please Janitorial Services and with M&M Howling and Heavy Cleaning Assistant Company. These contracts will provide expeditious one-time heavy cleanups and, if necessary, to prepare the environment for pest control services on behalf of older adults and adults with disabilities who are victims of abuse, neglect, self-neglect, and exploitation. The purpose of these contracts is to meet our state mandate to provide tangible support services to remedy and prevent further health and safety hazards. Through these contracts, we will be able to serve 140 to 150 older adults and adults with disabilities per year. Thank you. Any questions or comments from commissioners on this contract? I, I Commissioner, question. yeah. Um, so I noticed that we are using two different contractors for the service, and I, I recognize that we oftentimes do use multiple contracts to provide similar services. But I noticed with this one, um, for very similar services, that the rates are very different between the two contractors. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. Um, what we're trying to do is to to have uh, the two contractors come and assess for the price and that will help us through competing a competitive process to maintain the cost and maybe serve more people and that's the only way that we think we can get there mm, okay all right thank you i i just have a comment i'm actually familiar with uh, one of these contractors and um, i pick them out of a group of a lot of organizations doing janitorial service and check them out pretty thoroughly, um, have pretty high standards. I'm happy to see them here because they're well, excellent. Thank you. Good choice. Appreciate it. Mr. Lum. Uh, good morning. I don't have a calculator here, but uh, you're saying that it's, it, uh, this cost covers approximately 150 clients? So per client, how, how much money are we spending? Well, we're thinking of an average of about maybe between 4,500 and 5,000, hopefully less for many clients, but some clients the cost is substantially high because of the extreme squalor. And some clients the cost about 10,000 plus, um, especially you know if there's like health and safety hazards, including hazardous waste that is extreme. So that would be about 700,000 per year, about 4,500, that would, <coughs> excuse me, 4,500, 4,600 would bring us to about 100 and, uh, 
50 clients. But through this process, if we're able to reduce some of the costs, we might be able to help more people. Yeah, but wouldn't uh, so, earlier in, in, uh, introduction be a lot cheaper? Uh, could you repeat the question? Earlier introduction, in other words, we, you know, we, we have a client who, who, have, who have a tendency to, to be a squalor. Mm -hmm. The earlier we, we can reach that client, the cheaper it would be. Ideally so, and so we, we receive our referrals mostly when someone has been receiving assistance from either a provider or maybe they're facing an eviction. So by the time the concern arrives to those protective services, the situation is quite dire. Um, for reasons that they need to bring the, the, their environment up to code or to avert eviction, and for their own health and safety hazards. Sometimes they end up in the hospital, they cannot return because of the extreme biohazard and squalor, and even at-home support may not be able to come in. Nobody wants to come in to provide physical therapy or home health when it is impossible to walk through, and that's the type of situations that, that uh, come to our attention but hopefully through community awareness, um, as the, the months go by, more, more mandated reporters and people in the community will identify individuals so we can come in early to really help them sooner before it gets so extreme. Thank you. Um, I'm, gonna, <clears throat> I'm gonna make a comment. Um, my guy is done. <laughs> I understand it's maybe a lot of money in there to become idealistically that we become sooner, but I think this is very important um, program and um, and like I assume it's reasons like these that decline sound like they're not going to be forthcoming about the problems they're having with their house or whatever. So, I mean, maybe a lot of money, but I think they um, I think they just very much an unsensible of our program. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions, comments from commissioners? Do, then do we uh, have any of the members of the public who'd like to comment on item 13C? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item C. We'll allow some callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion? So I make a motion. Okay. Second. Commissioner and I was looking this way, so I think I heard a second from Commissioner Sklar. Um, can we uh, have the roll call vote for item 13C? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. 
Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners, and thank you. Thank you. Um, commissioners, item 13D, requesting authorization to enter into new grants with the Curry Senior Center and Open House for the provision of programming and social services for transgender and gender nonconforming TGNC older adults and adults with disabilities in a supportive and gender affirming environment for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $1,297,016 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,426,718. And Ariana Albert is going to present the item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, President Knudsen, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Rihanna Albert, and I'm an analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships the two grant agreements with Curry Senior Center and Open House will continue to provide transgender and gender nonconforming, or TGNC, services to older adults and adults with disabilities in a supportive and gender affirming environment. Programming will be focused and intentional in providing inclusive services with attention to the unique needs of the TGNC community. Activities and programming for both grantees will be designed with input and oversight from an advisory board. The advisory board will be made up of community stakeholders who have professional expertise in providing services for the TGNC population or have lived experience as a TGNC individual. With this grant, Curry Senior Center will provide TGNC-focused programming that provides social connection and community building. This includes a social and support group called Ageless, which involves facilitated programming and activities that reduce isolation and increase community connection by providing a safe and supportive environment. Curry will also provide TGNC events, such as annual celebrations for Pride, Harvey Milk Day, and Transgender Day of Visibility. Social outings will also be provided to places like Muir Woods and Angel Island. Similar to Curry, Open House will also provide TGNC-focused social services to older adults and adults with disabilities. Programming will include activities like social outings, intergenerational storytelling, and wellness workshops. Open House will also work with three organizations that provide dedicated services to TGNC individuals. By partnering with these organizations, Open House will continue to reach diverse populations within the TGNC community. One of the organizations Open House will work with is San Francisco Community Health Center. The health center is home to Trans Thrive, a drop-in center for TGNC clients. Through this partnership, Open House will offer a transgender support group, thus providing opportunities for social engagement and community connection. Another organization Open House is partnering with is TGI Justice Project. Through this partnership, Open House will organize monthly TGNC Sunday brunches in an effort to build social connection and engagement, and they will also hold wellness workshops focused on life skills and healthy aging. Open House's third partnership is with Shanti Project's PAUSE program, which stands for Pets Are Wonderful Support. This partnership will provide comprehensive animal support services to TGNC individuals that have a companion animal. 
And lastly, Curry and Open House were the previous grantees for this service. This will be their second grant term, and we are happy to continue this important and beneficial programming for the TGNC community. Thank you. I'm happy to answer any questions. All right. Thank you. Do we have any questions from commissioners on this item? Go ahead. Ms. Alberts, um, I want to say um, I appreciate two um, elements in, on, on, on these contracts, on this contract. One is um, specific um, note that there is involvement of advisory board to basically guide and uh, give input as to um, the uh, programs and activities that will be involved, and also um, spe specifically stating that there will be an outreach plan for this. So I think those are really good two elements. Um, what I just wanted to just ask you about, and it's just really a quick answer, is I noticed, noticed under the open house budget, um, they specifically have on a, as a budget item um, enhanced outreach of uh, $4,500. Do you know um, how that what that it can explain a little bit more about that yes yeah, so that line item is really going to include um, it's a variety of things that they're going to do um, they they do things like um, attend events and table at those events um, they do presentations at other community-based organizations um, and then they also work closely with the Office of Transgender Initiatives. Um, and then additionally, this Friday, actually, there's a National Transgender uh, Health Summit in San Francisco. And so Open House is going to be um, presenting at that. OK. All right. Thank you. Uh, can Mary make a comment? Of course. I just want to thank you and all that you're doing. The Surgeon General of the United States, I don't know if any of you heard him yesterday speaking, said that the biggest threat to United States citizens and health is not an epidemic like COVID, but it is loneliness, and that that's where they're going to start putting their policy effort, trying to get some things changed, because it's really so detrimental, and the populations we serve certainly are included in that. So thank you. I also want, I was hoping one of us would bring that up because I, I heard about the Surgeon General's report too, but at the risk of getting emotional, <laughs> I, I just want to say I'm so proud of this uh, agency for um, uh, where we can marshal the resources and professional uh, outreach and everything that we do around a community that is particularly <laughs> the target right now in our national politics for absolutely no good reason. <laughs> so I'm just proud of us for being um, a model for what we what we do and how we do it, and um, and with with especially in mind uh, these extremely vulnerable <laughs> populations, people who are older and disabled. So and and with the kind of outreach and the kind of programs that we've become very familiar with, we understand they work. We understand how important they are, especially around combating loneliness, but around um, around creating community. So um, I just want to note that because it feels like we need to to bring it up and say it. Um, uh, at, at this particular time in our national history, it's just mm -hmm. it's just not a great great time for people that are that vulnerable. So um, I, I think that got to get off my soapbox, but <laughs> but anyway, I just really I just want to say I really appreciate it, and I think I'm so proud of this commission because I know they wholeheartedly support this. So thank you. Um, so any other member? Do we no other comments? And do we have uh, any other public comment on this item? 
Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 13D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the review of item 13D. Are there any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you. Okay, then uh, hearing no further, we will close public comment. Uh, do we have a motion to approve item 13D? So moved. From Commissioner Sklar is uh, the motion in the second. Second. I, I think I heard from Vice President Spears first. Um, so can we please take the roll call vote? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Guardians. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, the next order of business is Agenda Item 13E and requires a vote by the Commission. It is to review and approve the California Department of Aging Contract DC-2223-06, all the associated budgets and all subsequent amendments. And Sarah Chan will present this item. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Sarah Chan, Program Analyst from Office of Community Partnership. This item before you is to request your approval to enter into a new contract with CDAs uh, to provide resources and services under the Digital Connections Program. Digital Connection Program is one of California Department of Aging, CDAs, digital inclusion initiatives that are designed to support older adults and adults with disability that are impacted by digital divide. During the pandemic, Governor Newsom issued an executive order to improve broadband speed and digital access in California. And the executive order has also specialized um, uh, specified that our target population is a priority population that are at risk for isolation and loneliness in their community and are most impacted by the digital divide. And since the executive order, CDA worked closely with the aging, uh, area agencies on aging to develop a pilot program called CHAT, which stands for Connections, Health, Aging, and Technology. The CHAT program uh, is the first pilot program that CDA distribute iPads um, to older adults and during the pandemic. And through this CHAT program, CDA and the AAAs and learn what's the best way to reaching out to our population and um, to, to be ensured that three main components of the digital divide are, were addressed. These are first, the need for a mobile electronic device with installable digital applications. Second, the need for a broadband in internet connectivity. And third, the need for digital literacy support and training to ensure a thorough understanding on how to use the device and navigate online digital resources. And the DC program, Digital Connection Program, is designed and aimed to ensure the digital divide is closed for program participants and that they may experience um, an improved quality of life as they are able to interact with their communities and resources in a more dynamic and 
necessary manner. And during September last year, CDA has reached out to all the AAAs and to complete a survey to understand the county's interest in the digital connection programs and, and our needs. And using the data they collected, and CDA has allocated resources and funding to AAAs. And CDA will provide, through this digital connection program, 1,400 iPads and um, approximately 1.2 million funding uh, to our county. And the funding, uh, funding source for this program is uh, Older Adult Recovery and Resilient Fund. And um, this funding is going through CDA's home and community-based services. And the funding is only available for expenditure through December 31st, 2023. And beyond 2023, um, CDA plans to continue support digital inclusion work to maintain strategies on broadband access, digital literacy resource, as well as um, maintaining the device and program support. And we understand the DC uh, program will bring us great resource um, an opportunity to our com community. But we're also very aware that with such a short timeline to spend the fund and the responsibility to managing those devices. So once we learn about the DC program opportunity and we know that the partnership and collaboration in our community are that very important. So we work closely with our uh, SF connected program partners and uh, to learn about what's their capacity and how we can reach out to communities that really uh, need this resource. And um, so in this commu commission packet, you will see that there is a draft budget that we included in the, in the packet. And we're still working on this um, budget. And um, after you approve um, to enter into this contract, when we submit our budget to C CDA, that will be the budget uh, different from this one. But this budget will give you a general idea as a very high level how we're going to use the money. So uh, in this budget, uh, approximately about 1.09 million that we will go to that will go to our partners um, that goes to five uh, four of our uh, grantees um, among six um, SF connected programs um, and so so our SF connected partners can continue to support their DC program work and where in, uh, so they can include program administration, management of those iPad distribution, maintenance, and program outreach to eligible consumers that uh, this device and other resource, um, they also will bring resource to connect consumer to the affordable connectivity program, which is a federal com communication and commission benefit um, program that helps to ensure the household can afford broadband they need. And uh, with the remaining about 135K, and we want to use to support our SF connected uh, labs by upgrading the broadband um, uh, service plan and to ensure that um, 
they have good wireless connection because nowadays we know people bring their own device to the site and uh, so we know this is very important. Um, so again, we respectfully uh, asking your approval to enter into a new contract with CDA's um, uh, digital connection program to provide services under this program. Thank, thank you. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, do we have any questions, comments about this item? No, I, just one comment. I'm just pleased to see that we are taking advantage of these dollars that are available to um, expand um, outreach to um, individuals. Mm -hmm. so. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Commissioner Lam. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Having seen quite a few of these uh, requests coming through, and I support almost 100% of them. Um, I'm, I'm often be, uh, being asked, once people learn that I am a, a member of this commission, well, you guys have all these programs, you guys, you guys are spending all this money, but yet, if I'm a Joe Blow citizen, I wouldn't know where to go. We'll definitely have a, a, a better outreach plan. We're working closely with our SF Connect partners, and we're working with their out, outreach plan. And um, we are also trying to working uh, internally with our DAS Hub, um, the, the resource and information centers, and to provide additional information to the community. Well, I mean, instead of just providing additional information, are there any guidelines being set up that each provider must follow in order to outreach to the general public? Yes, um, and um, I really appreciate you bring up that uh, question because we have the CDA does give us a, a very specific program memo and there's eligibility and requirement required. So uh, in our outreach to uh, when we're working with our partners, we're working with them and bring them on board, they understand the requirement, and they are working on developing their outreach plan, and those will be reviewed by DAS. And um, we also um, want to mention that um, this is just one of the program, and we're also working closely with our SF Connected Labs, and we are working with them and knowing though they are the, the front gate when people bring their not working devices and they have problems, they have questions, how to get connected. And we're working with them and bring the resource to them and so they will know this program. And um, we also launch a consumer device program at those sites. So when a consumer has a device not working, they know where to go and they can bring their device, and we have uh, partners working with them to troubleshooting the device. If that's not a device workable, and they will be referred to this program. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, isn't it also true, we have, we have a general number that connects people to uh, DOS generally, or if they looked onto our website, but we have a phone number for those not. And, Th that information, it, even if that person, if that exact thing doesn't know the answer, they would start to get connected if they called and said, I heard about the iPad program. Ha yes, with How do I get one? You know, that <laughs> might happen, right? So, and if they just call, if, if I, if we just said, call this number, and I mean, we try to come up with like the simplest, you know, access, not that that'll be the 
only access, but just is that is that also yes something that's, that would that's would also get, included in our plan. They would plan. get connected. To, yes, to that, that. that that's also uh, one of our plan. When we have our partners and they are uh, actually be a referral party, that mm -hmm. when we receive the call and they know where where to go to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I have a feeling we felt that we've heard about this program for a while now. Um, it's people are going to hear about free iPads. Right? I think maybe that's what you're talking about, and maybe we'll get asked that. So it's like it's always good to once this outreach program gets going and you communicate that to us, or we we get that word out um, that it helps us to know that. But I think there's there's also some fairly simple access points that we've created for people. So that's an excellent idea. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Believe me, word will spread, <laughs> 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 and people are going to want to know. I think so. Okay, thank you. We're excited about it. Um, f finish with commissioner comment and questions. So, is there any members of the public that wanted to uh, comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 13E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item 13E. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Uh, moderators, do we, have, do we have any callers in the queue? No callers. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, is there any, uh, hearing no further uh, request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve 13E from commissioners? So, so move. Uh, oh, from second. Vice Pre <laughs> Commissioner Jung and then uh, Vice President Spears seconding. Um, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item E? 13. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, Ms. Chan. Um, and commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item F and requires a vote by the commission. The Department of Disability and Aging Services requests authorization to enter into a new contract with Social Policy Research Associates for IHSS labor market analysis for the period of June 1st, 2023 to September 30th, 2024 in the amount of $99,971. And uh, our Deputy Director Jill Nelson will present this item. Welcome. Good morning, uh, President Knudsen, Commissioners. Um, my name is Jill Nielsen, um, Deputy Director of Programs with DOS. Um, today I'll be requesting your approval to enter into two contracts with a consulting organization, Social Policy Research Associates, Inc. Um, I'll be treating the two contracts separately for our purposes today, but they are interrelated. Uh, I wanted to start by providing some context to help you understand what has led us to bring on a consulting organization to take a strategic look at contract mode in home supportive services. As you know, DOS oversees the city's IHSS program, um, which is the Medi-Cal waiver program that counties operate on behalf of the state. Uh, the program served approximately 28,000 individuals last year. Uh, those are individuals with disabilities who have functional needs. Um, and IHSS provides domestic care services as well as personal care services depending on the needs of the consumer. At its core, IHSS is a consumer-directed program and the vast majority of IHSS consumers in San Francisco hire a family member, a loved one, uh, or an independent provider who they're connected to through the public authorities registry. 
Uh, for a very small subset of individuals, uh, we operate contract mode, uh, which is a separate service model, and it's specifically for individuals who have vulnerabilities and who are not able to direct their own care, typically due to serious mental illness, cognitive impairment, uh, and or substance use disorder. We've had contract mode in San Francisco since 1985. Um, and today we are the only county in the state that um, operates a contract mode program like this. We are, uh, we, our contract mode program is incredibly vital, not just to our operations, but also to the operations of the Department of Public Health, um, as well as to um, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Homebridge, our contractor who operates this service, um, provides client-centered, highly compassionate care to some of the city's most vulnerable individuals. Over 60% of the clients served by Homebridge were uh, previously um, homeless at some point in their lives. The care that Homebridge pro provides helps to keep those individuals stably housed. Uh, during the pandemic, Homebridge home care providers were on the front lines. Um, they were in the Project Room Key and Shelter in Place hotels and really providing compassionate care during a time, you know, speaking about isolation, when so many people were isolated. They were bringing comfort, care, and services to individuals. Uh, today, we are working with Homebridge as a key partner as we are rolling out our collaborative care um, caregiver support team in permanent supportive housing. This is really an enhanced um, IHSS model. Um, and, and at the same time, Homebridge is trying to increase their presence in uh, congregate shelters. Looking towards the future, we know that Homebridge home care providers will be vitally important to the success of new initiatives such as Care Court that will aim to bring individuals with serious mental illness into housing, treatment, and care. So Homebridge is really critical to the success of so many city initiatives and city priorities. Unfortunately, even though the demand for contract mode services has increased, Homebridge's capacity has diminished as it struggles to recruit and retain sufficient home care workers. And today, Homebridge is serving approximately 850 individuals every month. At one time years ago, they were able to serve up to uh, 1,200 clients a month. The number of IHSS consumers who they assist is only limited by their ability to sufficiently staff their organization. Certainly the workforce shortage among home care workers is not limited to San Francisco. We all know this is a, a national problem, but we are feeling it very acutely here in San Francisco. And the clients who are served by Homebridge have very complex needs. They often exhibit challenging behaviors, and they may be reluctant to accept the care that is offered to them by Homebridge home care providers. And so the, the result is that Homebridge home care providers are working in very challenging circumstances. And that's made it increasingly hard for the organization to maintain sufficient staffing levels. At the same time, costs have gone up, and so fewer revenue-generating hours of home care are spread across increased administrative costs. As a result, the organization is really struggling to maintain a financially viable operation. So although Homebridge has employed a, a variety of strategies and innovations, 
that are focused on improving working conditions, they just have not been able to stabilize their home care workforce. Our department is committed to maintaining a thriving contract mode organization in San Francisco, and so that's why at this moment we've decided to bring on some outside expertise. With this first contract that I'm bringing forward for your attention, Social Policy Research um, Associates will be carrying out a labor market analysis that is specific to IHSS contract mode. They'll take a deep dive into the home care sector and they'll help us to understand what wages and compensation we, we need to be offering in order to retain home care workers and to keep them employed for a meaningful duration of time. We will also be asking SPR, Social Policy Research Associates, to evaluate the home care labor market with a particular focus on workforce pipeline considerations that are specific to contract mode IHSS and taking into account the complex needs of the clients that Homebridge is serving. They will report out to us recommendations and strategies that we can consider implementing related to worker recruitment, retention, wage levels, and career advancement and career pathways. SPR will rely on data collection and analysis, qualitative research, interviews with home care workers, focus groups, key informant interviews, and project management to carry out their analysis and evaluation. We're really pleased to have this opportunity to bring on the expertise that is offered by SPR. They're a very experienced research and evaluation firm, and they're focused on supporting the public sector and philanthropy. Workforce issues are a specialization for them and they were selected through two separate informal bid processes. So that's a brief overview of what we're aiming to accomplish, um, and I'd like to request your approval at this time to enter into this contract with Social Policy Research Associates. Please let me know if I can answer any questions for you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the context and, and, and description because it is a, a new kind of contract, so thank you for that. Any uh, further questions from commissioners? Or, yeah, or um, Let's go with uh, Vice President Spears and then we'll go with Commissioner Bittner. Um, first, thank you so much for um, bringing this forward. Um, given the complexity that we have in the caregiving space and some of the federal policy that's being passed or executive orders by the president. I commend the organization, commend DOS for getting out ahead of this, at least to see what the future may hold. We know that there'll be additional dollars coming down from the Fed and it will trickle down at some point. Um, I think contract mode is, is so necessary in our city and um, this is in my day job. Um, an area of, of specialty that uh, we look to fund in philanthropy. So, um, one, I, I think it's really important to understand the landscape of where or where we are and where we're headed. It is known throughout the philanthropy sector that um, this is an area that the workforce we are focused on in philanthropy as a total for the state. So, um, I did not realize that we were the only county that had contract mode, so that's a learning, um, and I understand why we have it here in our county. So my, my comment is really thank you for doing the research because we definitely need it to understand where we're going to go in the future as each of us continue to age and need services um, in whatever way that we're going forward. So I wholly support um, this level of research and what is needed for our future. Thank you. Uh, oh, Commissioner Bittner, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh my, that one who say thank you for doing the time to get good crisis. It's kind of my number one activism. And, um, I've seen what Ombud does, and they do really wonderful work. And I, um, and I think we do, um, and I work with really, really talented clients, so I'm just very excited to see what it means. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for your comments, Commissioner Bittner. Any other comments from commissioners? I just want to echo Vice President Spirit's comments, and also um, I want to say, um, in reviewing this contract, I think it's been very well thought out and that the deliverables as outlined um, are excellent in terms of making sure that we do get the information we, we are looking for in a timely manner. Thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful for the help of our colleagues in planning. They um, developed the um, informal bids and the scopes in record time. So I'm very grateful for their support. Any other? And I, do we have uh, anyone who'd like to make public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, then uh, we will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13F? So moved. From Commissioner Parker Pennington. Second. Has moved and uh -huh. a second from Vice President Spears. Um, uh, can we please take a roll call vote? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item G and requires a vote by the Commission. The, the Department of Disability and Aging Services requests authorization to enter in, into a new contract with Social Policy Research Associates for IHSS Infrastructure and Financial Viability Assessment for the period of June 1st, 2023 to September 30th, 2024 in the amount of $99,619. And uh, Deputy Director Nielsen will present this item as well. Hello again, Jill Nielsen uh, with DOS. Uh, Commissioners, Director Dearman, I'm bringing forward a second but related contract um, requesting your approval to enter into an agreement with Social Policy Research Associates for the provision of evaluation, research, and consulting services. The context and motivation for pursuing these services is the same as what I just described. Uh, specifically through this contract, Social Policy Research Associates will provide expert analysis, recommendations, and fiscal strategies to DOS with the goal of improving the structure of the contract that the department develops to support a contract mode in home supportive services program. Some of the key areas that they will report out on are the program infrastructure that's required to effectively hire and direct a caregiver workforce, programmatic and structural strategies to maximize worker retention, 
as well as carrying out a fiscal analysis of the contract structure. In order to accomplish this, um, SPR will carry out key informant interviews, uh, they'll conduct focus groups, and engage in data collection and data analysis. I respectfully request your authorization to enter into a contract with Social Policy Research uh, for the provision of a contract mode IHSS infrastructure and financial viability assessment. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Any, any comments or questions from commissioners? Yes, ditto. Oh, okay. <laughs> my last comment. Okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, and any, anybody else? Then do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item G? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item G. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderators, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 13G? So, so moved. Uh, <laughs> Vice President Spears, and then it was uh, seconded by um, Commissioner Linda Par Parker Pennington. Um, could we please take a roll call vote to approve item G? President Martha Knutson? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar? She took a break. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. And uh, before we go over to item H, I do have a note that uh, Commissioner Bittner is the president of the board of the public authority, and she'll have to recuse herself from voting on item H. Okay. So, Commissioner Bittner, yeah. usually we would ask you to leave the court, the room, mm -hmm. but what I could do is you'll be muted and I'll take your video off just for this item. Okay, perfect. Okay. And, uh, All right. We'll bring you back when appropriate. <laughs> okay. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that completed? No, he's. Okay. I'll wait. Yep, okay. good. Thank you. Um, the next order of business is agenda item H and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with San Francisco In-Home Supportive Services Public Authority, known as SFIHSSPA, for the provision of in-home supportive services backup provider services for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $1,302,316 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,000,000 $432,548, and uh, Mr. Michael Powell will present this item. Welcome. Hi, good morning, commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. Uh, my name is Michael Powell. I'm a program support analyst with the In-Home uh, Supportive Services Program. Uh, the In-Home Supportive Services Program, IHSS program, assists eligible low-income older adults and persons with disabilities to remain safely in their own homes by matching them with care providers who assist them with activities of daily living. The IHSS program pays for a wide variety of services, including household chores and personal care services, which enable the individual to live safely in their own home while encouraging independence. IHSS is an alternative to out-of-home care or institutional placement and is provided through either an independent provider, an IP, or a contracted agency provider for those clients who are unable to find and or supervise their own independent provider. 
Currently in San Francisco, there are approximately 26,000 IHSS clients, 95% of which utilize an independent provider. The San Francisco IHSS Public Authority currently provides a backup provider service for IHSS consumers that are in urgent need of assistance. This service makes available a qualified pool of backup providers to assist consumers with urgent care needs, providing <coughs> temporary urgent assistance in the event that their regular independent provider cancels on short notice or when the consumer is being discharged from a hospital or facility without having a regular independent provider in place. In the first eight months of fiscal year 2022-2023, the San Francisco IHSS Public Authority served a monthly average of 590 on-call hours to a monthly average of 76 unduplicated clients. This morning, we are requesting authorization to enter into a grant with the San Francisco IHSS Public Authority for the purpose of providing the aforementioned IHSS backup provider services. Thank you for your time and the opportunity to present this. Great, thank you, Mr. Powell. Are there any comments or questions from commissioners on this item? Um, seeing none, um, then uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item 13H? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 13H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Are there no callers? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Then um, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item 13H from commissioners? Yes. So moved. Second. From, I'll do Commissioner Sklar as moving in second from Vice President Spears. Um, thank you. Uh, do, can we have a roll call vote on this item? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Linda Parker, are you back? Okay, Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. And uh, we can let Commissioner Bittner know. You can turn on your uh, video now as well. Uh, Commissioner Bittner. Can she hear us or? You have to turn her on so she can hear mm -hmm. No, she's back. Oh, she's back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Commissioner Bittner, can you hear us? Yes. 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 I can't tell. Could you just Yeah, I'm good sorry about that. Everything is good. Okay, good. Great. Thank you. <laughs> and... Okay, we have you now. Yeah, it's my computer, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um Go to I. We're on item H, right? Uh, aye. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Just, yeah, okay. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item I and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter in, into a new contract with Hansen Fisher and Associates for the provision of time study online module during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $80,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $88,000. And uh, Michael Zog will present this item. Welcome. Good morning, uh, commissioners. Uh, 
Executive Director Dearman. Uh, the item before you is a new grant with Hansen Fisher and Associates, although it is a continuation of our relationship with that company. They are a small um, software technology company based in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we have worked with them for about 10 years um, on this specific project. Um, they have been great to work with, are very responsive, and have built us an online tool which has worked very well. Um, the tool I'm alluding to is something we use to track, um, to, have, to have some of our community-based organization staff actually track their time. Um, we use the data from that to help us apply for and leverage um, federal funding, which then comes back in to um, support the underlying budgets of those program areas. So those program areas are our um, aging and disability resource uh, centers, our case management programs, and our community services programs. Um, staff uh, at the community-based organizations complete these um, four times a year, one, one month, the middle month of each quarter, meaning that, for example, May um, is a time study month. So yesterday, an automated email went out to staff in the system asking, reminding them to log in and, and, and complete this. What will happen is, is that staff are asked at the end of each day to um, open up the tool and think about their eight hours. Um, that they worked, let's say, in an average day, and to categorize those hours into five separate categories. Um, one category in particular, one that is related um, to Medi-Cal eligible services or health-related services for people um, who are on Medi-Cal or Medi-Cal eligible. That is the uh, that is the, the the category that is one that generates is able to generate revenue for us. Um, we target um, this, our, our sort of projection is that this funding will allow us to claim up to between 14 and 19% of the total costs in those program areas. Um, for fiscal year 21-22, um, which is last fiscal year, this process netted us um, about $1.6 million um, in uh, federal funding through the county services block grant program that we use to support um, the funding of those programs. So we feel that $20,000 investment into this pays off many times over. We'd like to continue doing this. Um, I'm asking for your approval today and happy to answer any questions about this. Any questions from commissioners on this? I just want to say it sounds like a great ROI on this one. This is correct, yeah. I worked yeah. for Accenture, so I've never seen any price tag as low as that. Yeah, and just to clarify that, you said $20,000 because this is a multiple year contract. Correct, so over the next four years, so 20,000 a yeah. year yeah. for four, or 80,000 total. Yeah. That reminds me of my law firm days where you have to put in the time and they would bill. That, that, that well, yes. Let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. We're so. trying not to make our community centers into billable hour places, but yeah. But no, it's, 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 it, I just know it's very doable. So it's, it's a great thing to do. All right. Um, any other comments or questions from commissioners? Then any uh, uh, public comment on item, the item? Do we have any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item I? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item I. We allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? No callers? Thank you. Okay, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve uh, item 13I? So moved. From uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington and a second. 
from Commissioner Jung. Uh, can we please have a roll call? President <coughs> Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thanks, Commissioners, and thank you. Uh, the next order of business is agenda item J and requires a vote by the Commission. It re is requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with the Self-Help for the Elderly for the provision of a workforce support program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $1,037,604 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,141,364 and Sarah Hoferberg will present this item, welcome. Thank you. Uh, good morning, President Knutsen, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Sarah Hoferberg, and I'm a program analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships at the Department of Disability and Aging Services. I am here today to request your approval to enter into a new grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly for the provision of the Workforce Support Program. The Workforce Support Program was created in 2019 as a response to findings from the 2017-2018 Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, or DFCNA. This assessment revealed a need for additional training and support for home care workers and personal caregivers to ensure a competent caregiver workforce and increase the pool of skilled workers who provide paid care to older adults and adults with disabilities living in the city. The DFCNA also noted a particular need to strengthen and expand training for home care workers and personal caregivers with limited or no English speaking proficiency. The most recent Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, as well as multiple conversations from today, uh, indicated a continued need for a skilled caregiver workforce. Self-Help for the Elderly has been operating the Workforce Support Program since 2019. It is a workforce training program for home care workers and paid personal caregivers of older adults and adults with disabilities living in the city and county of San Francisco. The program focuses on strengthening the competencies of home care workers and personal caregivers who have limited English speaking proficiency and who provide care to clients with limited English speaking proficiency. A particular focus of this program is on reaching individuals who identify as members of the Asian or Pacific Islander community. The program includes several levels of training for paid caregivers and home care staff to provide skilled and quality caregiving in home and community-based settings. The individuals trained through this program go to work for IHSS, home care, home health care, adult day health care, adult social day, and respite care. That is my presentation, and I'll do my best to answer any questions you may have at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions on this uh, uh, comment and a question? Comment. Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm very pleased to see that um, there is follow-through to uh, respond to the um, needs as identified by the Dignity Forest Needs Assessment. Uh, also very pleased that we're looking into providing culturally appropriate and language, uh, meeting language needs of our API population, which is a high percentage here in San Francisco, as we all know. Um, my question is mainly um, in terms of uh, the grantee. Um, 
I didn't see, or maybe I had overlooked, if they had noted uh, any specific strategy in terms of outreaching and recruiting uh, trainees for this program. Um, they have, yes, thank you for the question, and yes, uh, Self-Help for the Elderly um, has a very detailed, actually, outreach strategy for this program. Um, it's been going on for several years, um, but one of the components of the program is uh, four by four by 12. It's four four-hour kind of informational sessions uh, each month, 12 times a month. And they also do weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly information sessions for people who are interested in this program. Um, they also operate a variety of other uh, employment training programs, and they do outreach in the community at like work fairs. Um, they do outreach through the ADRC networks. And because of their of their programs and involvement in the community, their outreach uh, potential is vast, and it's a very robust program. Great, thank you. You're welcome. Martha. Good morning. Good morning. Um, actually, it's, it's still morning. <laughs> uh, upon uh, a completion of this program, are they licensed? Um, so these particular programs are, um, they are not like, they're certificate programs or they're not licensed programs, but they do complete the training program um, and receive a certificate. Now, the type of certification that is, I'm not quite sure and I'd be happy to get back to you on that, um, but they do receive a certification or certificate. Yeah. And uh, hearing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 13J? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 13J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item J. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? No callers? Thank you. All right, then hearing no uh, further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 13J? I move. Okay, thank you, uh, Rittner uh, has moved. Do we have a second? Second. Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote on uh, item J? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? <laughs> yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item uh, 13K and requires a vote by the commission. Uh, it is requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with the Independent Living Resource Center, San Francisco, for the DOS Wheelchair Repair and User Support Services Program during the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $1,240,000 dollars plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,364,000. Uh, Sarah Hoferberg, uh, Hoferberg will uh, present this item. <laughs> you got, got it. it. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, hello again, commissioners and executive director Chairman. I'm very excited to be here today to ask your approval to enter into contract with the Independent Living Resource Center of San Francisco, or ILRCSF, for the provision of the new wheelchair repair and user support services program. 
Wheelchairs restore mobility to people who are unable to walk or have limited ability to do so. They allow millions of Americans the opportunity to participate in daily activities and community life. This improves physical and mental well-being and overall quality of life. A wheelchair should be safe, reliable, and match functional needs. When a wheelchair breaks, a quick fix is essential. However, research indicates that more than 50% of wheelchairs break down in a typical six-month period. One study found that among veterans, this number is as high as 88%. The average wait for a repair is two to four weeks, but stories of people waiting six months or longer for a wheelchair repair are common. Lack of routine maintenance, the complexity of modern power wheelchairs, a shortage of qualified repair providers, insurance bureaucracy, and a limited inventory of common parts all contribute to frequent breakdowns and extended repair times. When a wheelchair breaks, people often find themselves stranded in the street or on a sidewalk, out in public, and without transportation. This often leads to an emergency or unsafe situation. While waiting for repairs, people can be stranded at home, unable to go to work or school, stuck in bed, or forced to use a chair that doesn't fit. When this happens, a person is at an increased risk of <coughs> developing medical complications, financial debt, and hospitalization. In San Francisco, broken wheelchairs, becoming stranded, and lengthy repair times are all too common. When wheelchair users find themselves broken down or stranded, their current options are extremely, extremely limited and often include calling 911 for emergency transportation. This is not only expensive, inefficient, and a strain on resources, but it can feel dehumanizing for the person. For years, the disability community has been advocating for a wheelchair repair program. In 2022, this advocacy resulted in a Board of Supervisors ad back for wheelchair repair support. From this, the Department of Disability and Aging Services has recognized the significant need for a long-term wheelchair repair and user support program. The Wheelchair Repair and User Support Services Program will provide wheelchair users in San Francisco with access to emergency and longer-term wheelchair repairs, preventative maintenance, emergency transportation if their device breaks down, loaner wheelchairs and other emergency equipment, insurance claims assistance, and educational opportunities to learn about upkeep and basic maintenance and repairs. These repair and support services decrease lengthy wheelchair repair times, provide safe and timely transportation in the event of a breakdown, and decrease negative outcomes associated with broken wheelchairs. The Independent Living Resource Center of San Francisco is uniquely qualified to operate this new program. Their services focus on the social, economic, educational, and recreational needs of people with disabilities with an emphasis on individual empowerment. Each member of their staff is a person with a disability, and a majority of the staff identify as people of color and or are members of the LGBTQ community. ILRCSF is able to offer services in English, Spanish, Chinese, Farsi, and American Sign Language. In 2014, ILRCSF moved into their current location at 825 Howard Street. Part of the reason for choosing this location was the intention of one day housing a wheelchair repair program. It is a massive ground floor wheelchair accessible space with plenty of room for a repair shop and wheelchair storage. Additionally, for over a decade, they have been operating a lending library, providing people with disabilities in San Francisco with assistive technology and durable medical equipment at no cost. They even have a reuse program where donated, new, and gently used wheelchairs are given to consumers who need them but do not have means to purchase them. 
With this contract, ILRC-SF will finally be able to meet their dream of operating a full-fledged wheelchair repair and user support services program while answering the call of years of advocacy work from the disability community of San Francisco. As this is a brand new DOS-funded program, we will be working closely with ILRC-SF to develop a robust outreach strategy, gather user data and feedback, and may modify parts of this program to meet community needs. Uh, that is my presentation, and I'll do my best to answer any questions you may have at this time. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Bittner, please yeah, go I'm so happy to be back I have had personal situations where I get to go out, including ones to work in New York City because my views are broken down and you know, it would have it was worth going to take work a month or two to get something very little about. So I'm I just wanna say I'm I'm over the moon happy about it because it will allow people to be independent and to not stop their daily living just because Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Um, any other comments from commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Lum. Uh, just a comment uh, on you being very ambitious when you said that it, it would provide all San Francisco wheelchair <laughs> users. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, as this is a new program, um, it's hard to get data on what exactly the need is. We know there's a lot of need. There's, um, you know, this has been, uh, this is the result of a lot of advocacy based on that need. Um, and so one of the things we'll be doing is, you know, tracking all of that to look at what the need is. And, you know, we'll serve as many folks as we can, um, but we might find that the need is much more, is much greater than this program allows. And so at that time, this will be something that, that we'll have to look at and um, work to see what we can do. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you for the level of detail again. Um, th this was very vivid. It, I, I can. I think we all are going to become uh, better advocates for the need for this program when you realize that 50% of it, the wheelchairs break down in a six-month period. Yeah. That was just a very vivid uh, description of the need, and I can hear myself telling people that. <laughs> so... Um, I, I really appreciate that level of detail and, and so that we can increase our understanding about the need, not that we were questioning it, but just it really helps to, to get that uh, so that we can all become advocates for this, better advocates for it. So thank you for that. Thank you. Um, any, and if there's no other comments or from commissioners, then uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item 13K? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 13K? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item K. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? No callers? Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from Commissioner? Aye. Okay, <laughs> Commissioner Bittner it has moved this. Thir item 13K, do we have a second? From Commissioner Lum, thank you. Uh, please take a roll call vote to approve item 13K. 
President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? God. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, the next order of business is item, agenda item 13L and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of nutrition services during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2025 in the additional amount of $972,749 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $5,668,345. And Tiffany Kearney will present this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, President Knudsen, Vice President Spears, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Tiffany Kearney. I am an analyst and the lead nutritionist for DOS. I am seeking the commission's approval for five grant modifications. One of the grants is with Russian American Community Services, commonly referred to as RACS, and the other four are with Self-Help for the Elderly. The first grant modification listed on the table in the agenda is for RACS's Congregate Nutrition Program for Older Adults. RACS, located in District 2's Inner Richmond neighborhood, focuses on providing culturally responsive services for the Russian community in the city. They specialize in serving Russian cuisine for their congregate and home-delivered nutrition program participants. This modification adds $14,450 to their congregate nutrition program for adults with disabilities and supports 1,669 more meals through the end of this fiscal year. The funding, the added funding is being reallocated from their congregate nutrition grant for older adults. This reallocation will not affect their meal service for older adults. The four remaining nutrition grant modifications listed in the table are for self-help for the elderly programs. Self-help provides congregate and home-delivered nutrition services for older adults and adults with disabilities across the city. They too focus on providing culturally responsive services and are well known for serving many of the city's Asian communities with respect and care. Chinese cuisine is the primary type of meal they provide. However, they do offer American cuisine through their home delivered meal program. Each self-help grant modification adds funding to support a rate increase and one also adds funding for more meals. Elevated program costs, such as food, fuel, and staffing, continue to affect our nutrition partners. A rate increase for self-help relieves some of the financial pressure related to inflation and helps mitigate a decline in voluntary contributions, also known as project income, that self-help and many of our other nutrition partners have experienced the past few years. 
Giving clients the opportunity to contribute to the cost of the meal they receive is a requirement of Title IIIC nutrition services. As mentioned, client contributions across all DOS meal programs have declined considerably over the past several years. In fiscal year 19, the average client contribution rate per meal was 45 cents. In fiscal year 22, the average client contribution rate per meal was 24 cents. That is, a 20, that is 21 cents less per meal and a 47% decline. Self-help has experienced an even greater decline in client contributions across their traditional home, their traditional congregate and home-delivered meal grants. In fiscal year 19, their average client contribution um, per meal was $1.11. In fiscal year 22, it was 28 cents. That's 83 cents less per meal and a decrease of 75%. The first and second grant modifications listed in the table for self-help add funding to support a rate increase this fiscal year and in fiscal years 24 and 25. The first adds $145,431 to their home-delivered nutrition program for adults with disabilities, and the second adds $38,149 for their congregate nutrition services at the Geneva Community Center located in District 6. The third grant modification listed for self-help is for their CHAMPS program. The CHAMPS program provides clients with the option of eating a meal at a designated restaurant. DOS currently funds three CHAMPS meal sites, one in District 1, one in District 4, and one in District 7. CHAMPS meal sites are located in neighborhoods and districts where resources for DOS consumers are not as plentiful as we would like to meet the needs of the community. Similar to traditional congregate dining programs, clients are given the opportunity to contribute to the cost of the meal they receive. However, the suggested client contribution for a Champs restaurant meal is $5, whereas the suggested contribution for self-help's traditional congregate and home-delivered meals is between $2 and $3, depending on the program. Voluntary client contributions in the Champs meal program is a significant aspect of the sustainability of the program for self-help. The modification to CHAMPS um, grant adds $59,034 to support a rate increase this year and um, $165,000 for 15,000 more meals. The $165,000 is being allocated from self-help's traditional congregate um, traditional congregate nutrition grant for older adults, and this uh, reallocation will not affect their meal service for older adults. The modification to the CHAMPS grant also adds supplemental funding that self-help can access if the average voluntary contribution falls below $5 per meal. 
Although this has not happened in the past, it is possible. And we want to ensure that self-help is able to provide this type of service at a reasonable cost and without negatively affecting their agency's budget should voluntary client contributions decline. The fourth and final grant modification for self-help is uh, for their uh, nutrition program for adults with disabilities. And this one adds $13,570 to support a rate increase this fiscal year and in the two remaining grant years, uh, 24 and 25. That concludes my presentation on these five grant modifications. Thank you for your time and consideration. And I will do my best now to answer any questions the commissioners may have at this time. Okay, thank you. Are there any questions about that? Go ahead, please. Uh, yes, thank you for this. I, uh, I heard you say um, that the CHAMPS program is um, provided in districts one, four, and seven. So I know these are just programs that you're modifying and you may have other programs. Uh, I lived in dis District 10, which is a uh, food desert or a food swamp uh, from what I understand. And we just finally got a lucky store out there. That was nice. Um, but it's a, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, since I know this is not necessarily within the scope of what you're doing, but could you speak a little bit to what is happening for DTN? District 10, yeah. Um, we are, well, first I want to say there is not a champ site in, in D10. Um, there is uh, one coming um, kind of back online, if you will, in, in District 11, so we're just sort of waiting for that. Um, we do our um, very best to um, spread our resources across you know, the city where there's the highest need and demand. I can say that in District 10, um, we have four congregate meal sites um, served by, um, I think, um, three different community partners, self-help being one, um, Bayview Senior Services being another, and um, uh, Project Open Hand being another one. <coughs> so, um, and also we have delivery of um, home delivered meals throughout district, <laughs> District 10. I don't have a specific dollar amount that we dedicate to District 10. I can tell you that Bayview Senior Services in particular, although they're not um, in this sort of, uh, modification packet, um, they have, um, their grant is also being modified. The reason why it's not in front of you today is because the amount um, is uh, below it, the contingency, so it doesn't require commission <coughs> approval, but there is a very significant amount of money going to Bayview Senior Services. I also know that um, HSA and the Food Coordination Group, they have been doing a lot of work in that area as well. And of course, that's not specifically for older adults and adults with disability, but it is inclusive of them. Like I know they have um, the empowerment market that's um, in the works there. Um, we also have a, um, Bayview Senior Services also has a separate grant um, that is working with the African American Faith-Based Coalition um, to, um, you know, sort of get at those clients that maybe, you know, are not accessing um, services in sort of the sort of the more traditional methods and um, 
that in particular, I know it's in districts, the African-American faith-based coalition, I know there's churches in District 5, District 10. I'm not sure the other districts, but I know those are two very prominent ones in there. So I hope I... Yeah, that's that's perfect. Thank you. And yes, and I'm I'm aware of the African American faith based organizations' efforts in the health services. So I'm glad there's some collaboration there. Yeah, yeah. Super. Thank okay. you. Thank you. It's amazing you have all that in your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> and I just want to remind us we actually on the consent calendar uh, we did approve additional bound amount for Bayview Senior Services for home delivery groceries. Yeah, that's a that's that's kind of teeny. Um, but yes, they okay. are. And that's actually that's actually a relatively new program for them, like in the last couple of years. And that's really exciting because the clients are able to um, sort of pick their um, and it's it's all fruits and vegetables and they're able to pick what they want, like sort of off of a off of a menu, which is really um, fantastic. And the executive, the team there, works with the produce terminal to sort of get those. Um, and they also that program also serves the Samoan community as well, which is fantastic because they often are very difficult, can be very difficult to um, to connect with sometimes in terms of reaching them. So it's wonderful. Thank you. Sure. I think we're getting hungrier and hungrier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Commissioner Lum. Uh, just you know, just listening to to, to uh, your your presentation. By the way, thank you very much for doing it. Uh, I I was actually uh, surprised to 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 find that there was any contribution whatsoever from clients. Yeah, there is. Because you are, there's no incentive whatsoever for them to donate. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's an interesting, um, it's definitely an interesting topic. Um, and, you know, it, it is a requirement, you know, through the Older Americans Act, the Title III-C. Um, you know, there is some, there is one school of thought that, you know, clients that can appreciate the, um, the appreciate having the opportunity to contribute, you know, something, even if it's not, you know, because they don't want to feel like they're, you know, sort of just uh, getting a free meal, if you will. Um, so there is that kind of school school of thought. We are very careful, though, with our um, and all of our providers are super careful to make sure that it's never communicated that a lack of contribution will um, will affect their service in any way. Um, so that it, and it also is always done in a confidential manner. Um, so you know we try to really um, and we really do look at that when we go when we go out. It's been a little more difficult the last couple of years just because of the. But I think you know it's um, and definitely I, during COVID, it, you know it was. Very challenging, which is why we've had such a decline. And some agencies get, you know, some agencies, I mean, that was an average that I gave you. It varies across agencies, kind of depending on the population. So, thank you. Um, any other questions, comments? And do we have anyone from the public who'd like to comment on item L? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item L? 
Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments and agenda item L. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 13L? So moved. From Vice President Spear. Second. Second by uh, Commissioner Jung. Uh, can we please uh, call, take a roll call vote to approve item L? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Spears? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you. Um, are there any announcements? Thank you. Okay. Then I'm going to use the gavel and we will adjourn the meeting. Uh, <laughs> quarter of 12. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not bad. Not bad. Well, Thank you, Commissioners. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank Hi, you. Commissioner Bittner. Thank you, Bye. Commissioner Bye. Bye. Come on. Goodbye.